Are you looking to hear the insider stories in government business? That intel that will help you win and help you keep winning. Then you're in the right place. We've got the insider stories, aka the tea. This is Afternoon Tea, and I'm your host, Teresa Holder. Good afternoon. Today we're speaking with Horace Blackman, Senior Vice President with CGI Federal. Horace leads Defense Intelligence and Space Unit at CGI Federal. For over 20 years, he's been working with government and public sector organizations, supporting their mission and delivering impactful change through business and IT solutions. He's got a unique background in that he's worked within the government space and also in leadership roles in industry. He spent six years in various IT leadership roles at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. He's also received several industry accolades, one of which is Federal Computer Week Fed 100 Award. He's also a three-time Fed Health IT awardee. He's also been appointed by the governor of Virginia to serve in the George Mason University Board of Visitors. He currently serves as the vice rector. He also serves on the board of 1455 Literary Arts. Horace, thank you so much for being here this afternoon. You spent a significant portion of your career at the VA focusing on ensuring delivery of benefits and health service to the veterans. Since leaving the agency, you've continued that mission, both in industry and through the integration of IT solutions. Can you share a little bit about the differences in these roles and what's been more rewarding about each? Um, so starting back from my VA days, that's a great uh, jumping off point. First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure being joining, joining you on this podcast and excited to be part of it. Um, so the, the, my, my experience starting with the VA is, is a great place to start because for me, it is, the VA is a great place to practice a commitment to mission. Um, I think one of the things I learned, uh, and became very much, um, a, a part of is the notion of being a servant leader, uh, and really being embodying the mission and leveraging your capabilities, leveraging your talents, leveraging the things that you do to tie back to improving the overall mission of the organization. Uh, since leaving the VA, uh, I've spent a good bit of time, whether it's in a commercial sector, whether it's back in the GovCon sector, focused on uh, healthcare, and now I'm in the defense intelligence and um, space sectors, focused on beginning and uh, continuing, I should say, to advance that commitment to mission because it's really what matters. And for me, really the things I think about as I, Think about where my career is going is my ability to um, work with a number of incredibly talented folks uh, in these organizations to help them uh, along their journey to embody the missions of our clients, uh, leverage the technology, leverage the capabilities we have to improve uh, some of the service deliveries and some of the capabilities in order to make our clients even more effective than they are um, in their normal course of, of execution. Thank you for that. And spending, having spent most of your government and post-government career focused on the VA and healthcare and transitioning now to uh, focus more broadly on defense, why that shift now? Um, for me, you know, the, the nexus between, well, I would say this. For me, it doesn't feel like a shift at all because it, it the, I see the the population we serve as a continuum from folks who go into the military to enlisted age 18 or a pretty young age or folks who come in as officers in their early 20s all the way through their service lifetime where they become veterans where they're seeking to take advantage of some of the benefits they have earned 
uh, whether it's um, educational benefits, whether it's uh, healthcare benefits, et cetera. Um, what we do is really help to empower and add value to every step of that continuum. Now, for me, I feel like I'm going upstream a bit. I'm getting more into the mission uh, of the warfighter, um, the analyst, and the operators, the folks who are operating um, satellites and operating uh, space, space-borne capabilities. Uh, so for me, it's really making that shift to um, assist our clients in the execution of their missions. We'll go a little bit uh, broader in the conversation. Um, so in addition to leading multi-billion dollar delivery efforts, you've also won some pretty major opportunities within the government space. Do you have a deal that you're really proud of or something that you can talk about and how did you win it? Yeah, certainly. Um, in a prior, um, I'll say my, one of my prior lives, uh, coming out of the VA as part of an organization that um, that competed for and won the recompete for one of the VA's main IT vehicles, um, which is the Transformation 21 Total Technology Next Gen Vehicle, or T4 Next Gen. Um, that is an incredibly memorable, um, I think, win for me because this was a case where I worked with a team of, of folks. We put together uh, a team of partners, uh, subcontractors, et cetera, uh, company by company, person by person, and we focused on understanding where the VA was going to go. We focused on their mission. We focused on their capabilities. We focused on delivery excellence. I think we actually demonstrated that in um, the proposal development, the process we executed, the response, everything through pricing, et cetera. And I think that one was especially uh, rewarding because I think when the, the award was made, we finished number one in an incredibly competitive field, starting with like about 100 and about 20 to 160 companies that got a down select. And then uh, we were one of about 21 or so companies um, that was uh, that were selected. Uh, that one was important because th- there was not a more competitive um, opportunity that I can remember in, in my career. There have been several of them, but that one stands out for me, and not just because we were able to compete and win it. Um, that that was the basis for leveraging that team to go on to be very successful in winning a number of task orders, or what they call requests for task um, uh, execution um, proposal or attempts uh, within that, that contract that we ended up being very successful. And over the course of the next couple of years, that team um, became the number one performing team on on that vehicle. So that one stands out for me, but there are a number of other ones as well. So could I ask you a question specifically about that one, right? So people read in their morning news from G2 Exchange, hey, this company has been awarded a $22 billion. I'm pretty sure that that's a number, uh, a $22 billion contract. How long in advance do you start planning for that? Well, I think... First of all, let me broaden the spectrum a little bit. For any um, for any competitive bid you make, right? If you're not um, working to to understand, to learn, to shape, to influence the direction of these things very early on, almost from inception before pen is put to paper, I think you're you're sort of behind uh, the, the eight ball. And, and you're in a disadvantage there. 
I think in the case of um, that particular one, the T4 Next Gen, I think we started working on that one about a year and a half in advance. We started to talk to clients to understand how they felt about the existing contract. What are things they were looking to see in the recompete of that vehicle? Um, things they wanted to change, uh, th- lessons they've learned. We were able to provide feedback into the process. Um, we were able to work with our partners to uh, really put together a team. We were able to work on very early on on solutioning the response to that. And I think working things like pricing to really so, uh, build that, uh, build that, uh, that proposal out so it was not a last minute rush, I think was an incredibly important um, thing to do. Now, the challenge there, as with everything else and everybody else you're going to talk to, all of that doesn't happen in a vacuum. You're doing that while you're prosecuting business on the <laughs> existing contract vehicle where you're trying to win work, where you're trying to grow revenue. Um, in that case, uh, you mentioned the, 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 the contracts uh, award ceiling, which was $22.5 billion. That was over, um, that was over 10 years. Uh, it, you know, I, I wish I think it was a case where you actually won that vehicle and won $22 billion. It's the case where that's the, 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 the ceiling of all the likely awards that could possibly be made, right? Typically speaking, you know, in that case, the VA had about a, at the time about a, a, a 3.5 or so odd. Uh, we got going to $4 billion plus IT budget, about a third of which they would um, outsource in various competitive forms um, to fund a lot of the, the IT requirements, some of the, the transformation they have, and some of the other things they were trying to do. But so typically, uh, it wasn't, you know, you, you weren't going to see a full $22 billion in that thing. I think you, you saw, depending on the, the year and whatever, anything from probably close to a billion dollars to maybe double that, give or take. So then I'm going to ask you another one that's um, probably going to make you think back really hard, specifically on that vehicle. Do you remember any specifics that the government, when you went back through and did your um, post conversation, that the government was like, hey, you guys submitted XYZ and it was really awesome and we really liked it? Um, and I asked that question because, you know, when people start to think about what's important um, on the government side and what's important to make sure that you have in there, these are things that I think will help other people as yeah. they start to prepare. I think there were three things uh, that come to mind. The first was, I think, tying back the solution, the technology, the, they'll give you a sample task in this case, um, back to the mission of the organization. I think that uh, having a, a vendor, having a uh, company understand, this goes back to my time within the VA, understand why you're doing the things that you're doing and what, why you're leveraging technology um, you're, you're there to really advance the, the, the overall mission. So first and foremost, I think what was successful there and some of the feedback we got was we tied the, the response we made back to the overarching mission of the organization. Uh, that's, that's, that's thing one. Secondly, I think innovation and leveraging um, innovative approaches to address some of the, the emerging challenges of the organization was another positive that came out of that. I think Innovation for the sake of innovation sometimes is it, it falls flat. But I think if you can tie back a coherent solution back to some of the, the task at hand, a very clear solution where you answer and address all of the, the problem statements and the challenges that are being put forth, 
you tie that back to the, the mission, and then you clearly articulate how you're planning to leverage innovation and an innovative approach to solve some of that challenge. I think, and then the other part is everybody focuses on uh, pricing and they think about pricing in a way, and you hear a lot of words being thrown around, some of the LPTA, lowest price, technically acceptable sort of thing. I think of it a little differently. I think you have to articulate the solution you have in terms of the value and the impact you're planning to deliver. Um, on that particular vehicle, there are many instances where we were very successful in winning task orders, et cetera, where we were not the, the lowest um, cost um, respondent on that. But we were able to, to demonstrate and articulate um, specific and more value, if you will, and more impact than some of the lower-priced uh, offers. Agreed. And tying back that mission impact to the value is what's really key to making sure they understand why they would, they don't even want to go to that LPTA conversation, right? Well, absolutely. And so then I would say on the other side of that, do you have any major lessons learned, quote, Monday morning quarterbacking type of stuff that you could share where you lost a deal and that either as soon as you lost it or now, you know, 10, five years later, you're like, you know what? I, if we had just done X, Y, Z. A couple of those. Um, there, there are many ones that got away <laughs> in, in my book, right? And um, I, I will tell you this. We all work in, in companies that um, we have to meet internal requirements, et cetera. But I think we, the, the ones that where we have lost are the ones where we have lost sight of uh, those things we spoke about where we have lost sight of the tie-in to mission, where we have lost sight of our ability to deliver and articulate value, and where we have lost sight of the ability to leverage an innovative approach. I think when we have missed the boat on some of those things, um, those are the ones where I felt that have gotten away. I also believe that as in many companies, we're, we're under pressures in terms of pricing, in terms of making sure we hit margins. I think when we are the ones where we have lost are the ones where we forgot about the solution and focused more on a on on maximizing margins. You absolutely want to maximize margin because that's why we're in business and that's those those are the things that we're charged with. But often when we have lost, it's not that we're simply not the low lowest cost um, offerer. A lot of times we weren't the lowest cost offerer because we never, we didn't fully engineer the solution to be as efficient as we possibly can. Those are the ones that I think uh, I would put under the category of the ones that got away, where we knew we could have done a better job to engineer a more efficient solution that would have resulted in a uh, more competitive price, or we could have demonstrated a more innovative capability that could have justified a slightly price differential on some of those. But we had a couple of those that I think got away from us where we we missed the boat. And I would never say we missed simply on price. There, there are certainly going to be those. But I, w- I would argue, and we often have this conversation inside of CGI these days, when we miss the price on, when we miss the boat on price, it's often the case that we didn't simply miss the boat on price, that we missed the boat on engineering the solution 
to deliver exactly what the client was looking for. Be sure to join us next week for part two as we continue our conversation with Horace Blackman, Senior Vice President at CGI Federal. Thank you for joining us for Afternoon Tea, a Federal Health IT production. If you have questions, input, or suggestions for upcoming shows, email us at afternoontea at g2exchange.com. I'm your host, Teresa Holder. Teresa Holder.